Audiences across America were horrified by the savagery of a faceless killer. In the wake of this bizarre rampage, he vanished. Now, after more than a decade of silence, he has come out of hiding. Action. Massacre 2. The it's almost like I just did this. Yeah. Welcome to Midnight Flicks, a podcast dedicated to discussing movies relegated to a late night purgatory. I am one of your hosts, Adam Walker, and joining me as always is Brandon Hayden. Hey. Hi. Hi. I, haven't seen, I haven't seen you in so long. I haven't seen you, you goddamn coon shit. Yep, we're already, if you, you didn't know what we're talking about, we're already unveiling, we're, we're teasing you with what tonight's movie is going to be about. Brandon, this is your pick. Yeah. This is rolling along with our theme of gruesome twosome sequels. Yep. And I'm going to let you take the lead on this. What's the movie we're watching? <clears throat> talking okay. about? We're watching Toby Hooper's Texas Chainsaw Massacre Deuce. Mm-hmm. 1986 film. Um, yeah, I mean, it's again like the, the last movie that we did. It's the follow up movie many years later after a, a pinnacle horror classic. Yeah. Right? First movie, 74. This is 86. So, uh, what? Something like 14 years later. Yeah. Um, so, let's see. Uh, budget. 4.7 mil, quite quite a uh, far cry from the first, considering the first one was um, moving on, on a shoestring, a, a horrifically thin shoestring budget. Yeah, worldwide gross about doubled, uh, just a little little north of eight million. Um, they've also stepped up with a, uh, you know, casting. They they got Dennis Hopper as the leading man. Um, cool cast all, all around. Carolyn Williams, um, Jim Sidow, which you would remember from the first film. Uh, and then I believe this is the beginning of um, Bill Mosley's kind of trajectory and as a, a a horror genre mainstay. Yeah, it was like his second movie, I think. Yeah, they couldn't uh, they couldn't slate Gunnar Hansen for Leatherface. They have Bill Johnson as Leatherface in this film, but. Um, yeah, I would say also, I know that comparatively it's a bigger budget, but still for a movie, it's still pretty thin budget. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and also a relatively no name cast other than Dennis Hopper. Right. Um, this was long before the days of filming everything outside the country. This one was made in America, baby, 100%. Everything was filmed in Texas. There's Prairie Dell, Texas, and then the rest was in Austin. Okay. Um, um, now. I wanted to also mention that you are our in-house, I think in many ways, Texas Chainsaw Massacre expert, or at least our, our biggest aficionado I, of I'm the a, franchise. I am a super fan. Yeah, I, I love I love Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I, I love the original probably just as much as you do. Yeah. But I will say that maybe our 
our feelings diametrically oppose a little bit about subsequent installments. You know, I we're not too far afield on subsequent installments. I mean, we have talked a lot about this latest straight to Netflix movie off mic. Yeah. Um, I, I feel completely different than you do about it. But this movie that we're going to talk about tonight, I have a little cognitive dissonance about. <laughs> okay. And we'll get into that because I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, show my hand too early. Sure, sure. Yeah. But I actually, I remember watching the sequel before I watched the first movie. Um, my, my mom, she had like a piece of shit biker boyfriend guy. And I just, I have like a distinct memory, early memory. Maybe I was like four or five. This movie and the hitcher, we got on a movie night, a double feature one night. And I watched this movie and I was f- just totally floored. Um, watched that first scene again and again and again. And uh, then later on, I watched watched the first one, you know, which upon first, first watch, I, I loved it too. But um, yeah, that might uh, be, an, I don't even know if we've ever talked about that before, that I saw the sequel before the first one. No, we haven't, and I'll get into this more when we talk about the movie, that I think it makes sense that this movie would be a hit with a very young child for a lot of reasons. Also, as far as my first memories associated with this, I can't remember if I saw this before the first one. I feel like maybe I might have as well, but always the distinct memory I always had associated with this, and we talked about this with going to video stores and seeing the box art is the iconic box promo art for this. Oh yeah. That, that always it's seared in my brain, that image of seeing that, that that breakfast club. Yeah. The breakfast club parody of these mutants. Yeah. (laughs) I know. I, I, I assembled together just palling around. Right. (laughs) You know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That, that is, um, uh, same. That's totally seared into my mind. The way that Leatherface is just gross hamburger face looks. Yeah. Um, and then yeah. Nubbins in the front, just like casually yeah. hanging out. Just chilling. Just chilling. And it's funny because with the promo art, they were also distinctly, I think, making a statement that this movie is going to be different than the original. Just Right. Which in that... <laughs> Yeah, that plays into my dissonance, um, for sure. But and this this is a good thing that we brought up in the in uh, the Psycho Two episode about the the category of sequels. What does this fall in for you? I'm I'm interested to hear your thoughts and what category you'd place that as, as far as like what type of sequel this is. Yeah. So um, I'll go on with a synopsis, which I wrote after a grisly murder is recorded on live broadcast, a traumatized wannabe reporter slash radio host pursues a rogue Texas lawman bent on avenging the murder of his kin. The hunt now begins for the mythical cannibal family who have evaded capture for 14 years. Um, And the descent into the hellish massacre begins. Yeah. 
that's good 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 synopsis yeah so um you got any yeah. notable critical reception poll quotes uh, uh yeah i mean i don't i'll look at these and i don't i i start reading them and i just go this is fucking Critics are idiots, but uh, Ebert <laughs> Roper did not like it. They well, they yeah, thought that, of course, you know, the you first mean Siskel movie, and Ebert. It wasn't Roper at that point. Excuse me, Siskel yeah, and Ebert. Right? Yeah. Um, yeah, it was a it was a big one star. Oh yeah, I believe it. Um, they thought that you know the first movie was this uh, atrocious, can't look away, iconic, um, you know, pillar in the horror genre, and then th- this movie is a sneering grin joke mockery. Yeah. Um, other than that, I mean, it's it's pretty well lauded throughout the horror community. Yeah. Um, as being basically being exactly what you would want from like a campy 80s slasher. Yeah. That's like the general consensus. Yeah. Seems like to be a big hit um, amongst pulp, you know, shitty, lowbrow, Horror fans, mm-hmm. but yeah, um, yeah. Uh, so uh, let's see. Yeah, I mean, this movie has been with me basically my whole life. Um, it's one of these movies, kind of like a Simpsons. You know, first few Simpsons seasons, King of the Hill, where it's super quotable. I mean, there are instances where I'm just straight doing uh, Drayton quotes or Chop Top quotes to people that I know. And they just have no clue what the fuck I'm talking about. There's so much to use. Yeah. There's so much material there. Right. Yeah. And I mean, it just... It's playing on something that I think at the time was very American and probably a lot to do with the first movie and that this barbaric thing could happen because it's not paranormal. It's not, you know, some demonic force or something. This is just a twisted ass family, right? And much like Psycho, the drawing on Ed Gein and stuff, it's like, yeah, well, I mean, not too far Back in our history, something similar did happen. So it made it very, it made like this kind of barbaric, grisly murder horror um, potentially accessible to to America, which you know makes it all the more scary that it could happen. But this movie, like we briefly touched on, took a, a major depart from the first film, which there's there's nothing funny about the first movie. Almost nothing at all, but this movie is is it's almost like a mockery of that on purpose. Um, I don't really want to get into the trivia, but this movie was going to be way more insane if it was you know done up the way that Toby Hooper and uh, the regional co-writer Kim Hankel had it in mind. It was going to be like a town of cannibals, and it was going to be a satire on Motel Hell which was yeah. a satire on Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It was going to be called something totally different, but the studio didn't, they didn't like that. They made so many changes and, and got, um, you know, a different uh, screenwriter that 
what we have is what we see TCM two. Um, but you know, what would that have been like? That would have been completely unhinged. Right. Yeah. Well, and it was completely coincidental. I just thought of this, that we were doing this back to back with psycho and that they're both movies that their source material is related to Ed Gein. Right. Both of them are relating to that story and how much that grisly tale scarred the collective consciousness of people in America. But also the thing about this movie is it's considered a Hicksploitation movie. And Pat and I, we covered 2000 Maniacs a couple seasons back, and that's another Hicksploitation film. And what those films, a lot of these films, these horror movies, what they do is the reason that makes them horrific thematically is essentially the subject matter is preying on what I would consider the collective fears of a white conservative liberal axis, uh, American nebulous blob. Sure. They're all preying on like this collective fear of the white middle-class American across like kind of the, the very narrow spectrum because right here you have this idea of this this the the mutant alien other in the hinterlands in in the in the deep south right yeah, yeah. it's almost like a deliverance type of thing a hills have eyes type of thing right where there's these people who are left to go without and that somehow makes them dangerous to the rest of the world because right. They're, they're, they're feral. They're feral, right? Yeah, they have feral sensibilities, um, and the, you know these movies exist because of the idea of trespass. Yeah, right? you're trespassing into a way of life that you don't understand, maybe you don't agree with, and you're going to combat those who live there or dwell there, exist in the darkness that we, um, you know. Middle class people, white people especially, don't have to deal with. Right, and it's bringing the premise of the uh, the cannibal, the mondo cannibal theme movie of the anthropologist or the white westerner going and, like you're saying, trespassing into some other realm, yeah, unknown to them, and facing the consequences of a different lifestyle right it's bringing that idea and putting it on your your front door yeah here in america like taking the cannibal idea out of the amazon yeah the feral cannibal primitive whatever and putting them in america they're well, right there right and, <laughs> and i mean the the great it's leaned into way more heavily in this movie than the first movie but you know drayton the cook Mm-hmm. He's making fucking meals that everyone <laughs> everyone loves barbecue, you know. Yeah. I know it's the yeah. best barbecue anywhere. He's making it out of fucking people, <laughs> you know. In this movie, yeah. they're preying on people to make the barbecue. Yeah, that's a uh, that that is. I mean, to me, that's like iconically American. Yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah. So no. this movie exists. Um, 
you know, here in this fucked up country. And um, I wonder, I wonder what the reception was internationally when this came out, you know, because like these sensibilities, did that really hit home with people who don't have the American experience, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It'd be interesting to like read up on that. Any sort of uh, European analysis or international analysis of this movie. Right. uh, An outsider's perspective. Sure. Um. All right. Well, do you have anything else before we move into the the chili uh, the the chili of the episode? <laughs> no. Uh, no. I think I think let's just move right into it. It's kind the of a be- slam. The, the slam beefy dunk. soup. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> right. Let's move into the good, the bad, and the questionable. Starting with the good. Oh, 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 he did it. My plate. Oh, my brain is burning. <laughs> monologue i mean you know they kept that intro monologue thing going that they did in the first movie in this movie um i mean it sets you up for kind of like a menacing experience you know where he says that uh the 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 police went on a month-long manhunt you know to no avail no no facts no crime you know, officially on the records, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre never happened. But over the last 13 years, over and over again, bizarre killings are happening. That whole thing just nails it for me. As soon as I see that, even now, I'm like, yes, okay. I'm buckling in for something fucked up. That's exactly what I want. It sets the scene. I love it. Yeah, I love it too, but it also has... It's it has questions. Yeah, yeah. Build into it too that we'll bring up later. But yes, I do love how they set it up like that. Um, the first murder scene of those fucking doofus college dudes going out for football weekend. Yeah, that whole setup. They call in. They're clearly a bunch of pricks, and then they get what's coming to them later that evening. Uh, I don't know if it's just nostalgia, but I mean. Watching that when I was young and then watching it again now, because I haven't watched this movie in a while. Watching it again, that whole thing is super creative. I mean, that you see that this fucking dancing zombie in the back of this truck, you know, that's freaky enough. They're going backwards down a fucking bridge. You can't see into the truck. And then they shoot the fucker and there's a face behind the face. <laughs> yeah, it's really good. You know, you just yeah. go, what is even happening right now? Yeah. Um, love that whole thing. I love the cheesy ass, you know, saw through the head of the fucking doofus driver. All oh, that's great. Yeah. Good, good, good way to set the movie off. And really, that's the pinnacle. That's like the 
pinnacle plot point that she has this live recording right that not only draws out lefty the the kind of you know rogue um cop but the killers because they want to get that tape back so yeah that's cool it kind of sets the whole movie up right there in the first i don't know 10 minutes of the movie that's well, what uh i would guess you know what have you ever heard of the MacGuffin? uh yeah it's like a film like device sure i would guess that like that tape would be the MacGuffin. yeah of this movie yeah it kind of sets everything in motion yeah um I love the character LG. Yeah. I, I, I forgive me. I didn't catch what the actor's name is, but um, yeah, that guy is fucking hilarious to me. His name is Lou Perryman. Um, I wish there was more of him. I, yeah, I, I don't just, really know if I've seen Lou Perryman in anything else but this. Yeah. LG, he's great. Um the lefty chainsaw store scene. Yeah. To this day, I mean, it's, it gives me good feelings. He comes walking in the old guy. Oh, seal. You are just being meaner than a stink bat. Well, it's on the phone. You know, that whole thing is funny. He just lays down what fucking a thousand dollars and hundreds and just starts picking shit up and smashing it into a log. Yeah. Love it. Um, Chop Top's intro. His so like good. introduction into it, where they come back and, and they just see him being a fucking. You gotta, you gotta think about this movie about seeing it for the first time, you know. And I was a kid when I saw it for the first time, but even as an adult, it's not something you expect to see. When they walk into that room and there's this fucking dirt bag cretin on the couch i mean think about these characters you know if they if in the real world scenario that would be i would fucking probably have a heart attack if i walked <laughs> back and saw that fucking guy yeah him and his sunny bono wig <laughs> his sunny bono <laughs> wig do his wig do yeah. yeah the just the fact that bill mosley had such little experience in movies to come out of the gate yeah playing chop top just absolutely to the hilt yeah it's Uh, just completely unhinged completely fucking unhinged and yeah that that just cemented his role as being an essential legendary horror character actor right was playing that role the way he did. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, throughout the movie, he's hilarious. He's interesting to watch. But just that first, before you even see what he's picking at with his coat hanger, he's got the <laughs> hair on, you know, and he gives that whole, I mean, it would be even quotable. But it's, So this is Radio Land, huh? The Infinite Turtle, where the ether fuss roars on forever. Can't close that. I know he thinks it's weird, but I can handle it. <laughs> yeah. Whoa. I just want to know, like, what, what sort of research Mosley did. Like, who was he referencing to composite that character? Just to come up with like the idea of using a uh, 
clothes hanger to pick at his know, open know. wound. Yeah. And 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 to chew on it. Like to, he's using yeah. it, it's like a snat. It's like to cook it real quick with a lighter and yeah. sizzle off a piece for a little morsel. <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. Um I mean there's a bit in the trivia about him getting the role as Chop Top. Yeah. But he does that great thing where he bridges the gap of much like the hitchhiker from the first film, but his own identity and he is he's playing that fucking like ADD sociopathic winged out of his mind with head trauma person yeah. perfectly. Yeah. You know, the fa- I mean just rattling off little um non sequiting lines of shit. There's so much non sequitur going on I, in this yeah. movie. Dude. The, dia- the dialogue in this movie is it's such a rambling stream of consciousness, like ad lib, non sequitur mess. Yeah. But it's 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 amazing. Right. Well like, yeah. I feel like the whole script from the the point where Chop Top is introduced to the very end, it seems like it's all improvised. It does. Um, that was going to bring me back to like Jim Sidow's Drayton's dialogue throughout. And he's just all about in this one, he's all about being the small business entrepreneur. Yeah. And he's just, well, you got to run for that dollar and you got to. And it's always the small guy getting taken up the ass. I mean, it's like he's, right. they just go, okay, Sidow, just. Think about the little guy getting crunched. That's all. Just ramble that shit off. And then fucking Mosley, you ramble about fucking Vietnam and right. some, you know, shit. All, all three characters are like three Stooges type characters that are existing in their own separate, like little like worlds. Yeah. So it's like, <laughs> it's like you're in a fucking loony bin. Right. You're exactly. And so like, there's this analogy I can make kind of, that I just came up with that if you ever read about the recording and creative process that captain Beefheart uh, used to, to, to record trout mask replica, mm-hmm. they talk about how essentially everybody in the band all recorded their parts in separate areas without knowing what the other ones were doing. Yeah. And it somehow coincided into creating the music that's on Trout Mask Replica. Like they were all like isolated or siloed from one another or they like worked out their parts. Right. I don't know how true that is. That's like could be like, you know, one of those myths. But I feel like that's what this is. Well, and I mean, if you think about <laughs> so like modern movies that are playing on this kind of trope, let's say like wrong turn, for example, you know, yeah. I don't know if you ever seen that. It's like mid two thousands fucking uh, hillbilly movie. Right. Oh yeah. So there's wrong turn, but I was thinking for a second, there's also 
You ever seen that movie that has Billy Bob Thornton in it? And U-turn. 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 That movie's excellent. That movie's great. But it's also, it is another Hicksploitation okay, type yeah. of movie. But yes, right. wrong turn also. So yes, anyway. Wrong, wrong turn. That, that one comes to mind when I'm thinking about like, you know, backwoods culture, uh, yeah. tourists stumbling into something that they don't understand. They shouldn't right. they're trespass through. Right. How does this family get, how does this family even function? Right. I mean, how is is it getting away with anything? With anything. They're just so disorganized and fight. Well, they're like retarded. I mean, they're in, (laughs) no, they're like inbred so badly that they, you know, it's, it's bad. But this movie, (laughs) the depiction of just this guy's a psychopath. This dude is a fucking rambling, you know, lunatic, uh, all, all of a different flavor. But they can come together to somehow get along and make this product that everyone wants because there's like some semblance of organization. But behind the scenes, this is how it fucking unfolds. It's like madness every moment. And you see their house. They're living under a theme park. There's Christmas lights and there's fucking shit, you know, sprawled everywhere, little trinkets and stuff. This is how I would picture it's actually rolling out in modern world times. It's like this disorganized chaos that they pull it together the last minute to look somewhat functional in the eyes of everyone else in, you know, East Texas. Yeah. Um, So I think that's great. The dialogue's real good. I really appreciated it specifically the river of guts that come out of the wall. When uh, Lefty kicks the wall, <laughs> when it's like right. bleeding, right? Um, and then, I mean, I don't think that we can disagree. The soundtrack is badass. You got Oingo Boingo. You got little uh, hints of Concrete Blonde. Um, the got Cramps. The Cramps, yep. Yeah. yeah it's good. It's a good soundtrack. It's a great soundtrack. I wanted to go back to the scene where, they're, where they enter – the uh, radio station when Leatherface barges in and crocs Chop Top over the head with the chainsaw and <laughs> knocks off the Sonny Bono wig do. Yeah. Again, like there's so much, there's a lot of slapstick comedy. There, there in, is. There is. In in, this. And this is a kind of movie where that's usually not my bag, you know? And this is the yeah. thing where it's like, I, I have a little dissonance here because the first movie is cornerstone to me, perfect film. There's not one minute of film wasted in it. It's yeah. dark. It's brooding. It's menacing throughout. It's this a perfect movie, movie by the same director, yeah, flipped on its face as yeah. like makes this lighthearted, silly, gory mess. Well, and I don't know how familiar you are with Toby Hooper's other movies after he made Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but he kind of just went in that direction where he like started making these uh, other than like Poltergeist. Poltergeist, right. But like Funhouse. Didn't he do Chainsaw Hookers too? No, he didn't do that. I don't think. Life Force. um, And then... um, the one about the gator. He basically started making these like pretty like unhinged movies that right. were 
that were like that they leaned into this kind of like dark comedy or yeah. like black comedy and had like these really just non sequitur kind of like really weird parts, surreal parts of them. Life Force in particular, there's like some stuff going on in there. It was just like, whoa. Um, I want to talk about Life Force on this at some point. But yeah, so it's funny that he went in that direction from creating like this what to a lot of people considered almost like a snuff film. Yeah. Like this documentary gritty very realistic depiction. It totally feels like you're seeing something you shouldn't be seeing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You found something that you shouldn't have found. Right. Evidence. <laughs> yeah. And I, I I mean, looking at it with a more critical eye, watching it for this episode, it's not all like that. I mean, I feel like um, Carolyn Williams, the lady that plays Stretch, I feel like her acting and her trajectory with her character, she's trying to be very dramatic and not funny. Uh, Dennis Hopper, his character, there's nothing funny about it. He's, you know, after these fucking grisly cannibals who killed his family or whatever, there's a very serious element to it, but it's completely overshadowed by these bumbling cannibalistic stooges. You know, yeah, yeah. I have some things to say about Caroline Williams, uh, her performance in particular that I'll get to later. But yeah, for sure, it's like it's kind of like the the acting, the performances in certain ways don't mesh, and that is a, to me that's a that's a, a flaw in the movie. They don't mesh completely. Right. Um, they are outshined by the over the top performances of the, of the family. Yeah. So, (laughs) so the first part of my, you know, dissonance, this is a comedy that I actually buy into. I mean, like a horror comedy, you know, it's funny. I mean, it's really funny. I've, I know every fucking stick of dialogue through this movie and um, I watch it and still laugh out loud. Yeah. And that's why I was saying, my point I was trying to make when you were saying that you saw this when you were a kid, to me, this movie is a cartoon. Yeah. Totally. I could see an animated adaptation of this. Like 100%. Even the way that Leatherface's face looks. Yeah. It's just like silly. His big poofy hair. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, it's hard to, it's hard to really take serious as like his gruesome thing. Yeah, other than the fact that it is a very gory movie. It's super gory. I mean, that was another thing that appealed to me as a kid as I'm going, you know, it's funny, but it's like, ugh, man, I I almost got in trouble at school many times, I'm sure, from drawing all kinds of shit from this movie. You yeah. Know? Um, sorry, I, I wanted to bring it up because I was trying to think of it, but the, the other movie I was thinking of with Toby Hooper was Eaten Alive. That's oh. the one about the big gator. Gotcha. It's also really good too. Um, yeah, um, I just love this is a good and a bad, and not necessarily the the bad is not rooted in the movie. It's what the movie itself spawned later. But I love that whole amusement park layer, yeah. that complex sprawling layer that the Sawyer family was able to conquest, like right. they make, and like 
that also leads to some questions I have about the whole plot. But but I love that. I love yeah. like you know if you zoomed in on different parts of it, you can find all these little things. Yeah, just it, the it, junk in there, right? Man. And it's 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 just a further extrapolation of the house from the original one. Right. When you go into that house, there's all these weird little sculptures and structures that are created like mobiles of like of bones and right skeletal there's just as much there's just as much hoarding mentality (laughs) as there is like mortuary art cryptic macabre fucking you know structures (laughs) yeah yeah. yeah. So that's basically it for my good. I mean, uh, I, I could keep going on, but the the strong points are just the bombastic, over the top characters. If you're going to lean into this being a comedy, that definitely did it right. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, that monologue is great. I mean, just overall, it's a. It, I say this very sparingly because. It's not like I'm interacting with the movie. It's a fun movie to watch. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Very so. fun movie. I agree. Do you want to move on? Yeah, let's move on. So I want to take this first one because I was just talking about this with the bad. Sure. The bad for me, talking about the amusement park thing and, and this movie in general is this movie more than I think the other Texas Chainsaw Massacres is the template for Rob Zombie's directorial career. Dude, I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> Absolutely. This, this is a house of a thousand corpses. This is where it came from. Yeah. I mean, it's like the entire <laughs> skeleton of that movie could just be transferred over to this, move a couple of characters around. And it's the same fucking thing. Yeah. So. Agreed. Thumbs down on that. Agreed. But. It's like, boo, shame on you for fucking, <laughs> one, just plagiarizing this. There only needed to be one of these movies out there. And you yeah. based your entire career in film off of this <laughs> one fucking, you know, like boogaboo comedy horror fucking thing. Right. Yeah, totally. Um, so there's that. Um Caroline Williams. Yeah. I am fine with Caroline Williams to a point. Something, I don't know if you feel this way, but I feel like her acting gets worse as the movie goes along. She's a fine character at first. I'm sympathetic to Stretch at first. I think she's like, you know, got like a certain charisma about her. But then, and that's also tied in with like the dialogue. Like, again, the dialogue is a plus for me. But, like, the way they wrote her dialogue, I don't know. There's some, like, weird choices there with just, like, her. She's trying to, I guess, kind of seduce well, right. Leatherface. Yeah. Now, that's a th- that that's totally <laughs> in my bad. This, the, like, tension Leatherface stretch sex scenes. Yeah. Fuck no. Fuck no. I cut those right the fuck out because yeah. her character is good up to that point. Right, I agree. And then it's like, oh, she knows that this is a weak point for this fucking murderer, so I'm going to keep exploiting it. Like, ooh, no, this is bad for me. Can I talk? Yeah. Can we? Are you good? Show yeah. me how good. Like, right. I don't need to see this shit. You're taking yeah. a beloved character of mine and you're like humanizing him in a fucking ignorant way. 
Yeah, it's real clumsy. It's super like clumsy. It. Let's uh, let's play his fucking carnal desires on on himself as a weakness. Stupid. Yeah, not not a fan of that. Not a fan of how. Like on the one hand, it's like, yeah, I get it. She's gonna be hysterical, and it's just like so. Like they're they're doing callbacks to Sally Hardesty completely, obviously, and throughout the that. movie. Yeah. They're calling back scenes. I mean, it's a yeah. exact replay of the fucking dinner scene. Right. How it plays out. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, there's parts of that that I enjoy, but there's parts of it that's just like, all right, enough. Um, I really don't understand. Speaking of hysterical, lefty, just like willy nilly, wantonly chainsawing at things in the. <laughs> And going on his tirade right. about, you know, his crusade. It's bringing all in down. the new park. And it's just like, well, for one, you're wasting gas. Yeah. <laughs> you know, ration the gasoline you have. And how cons- about poor old Stretch that you put out for bait? Did you just already accept that she was going to die and that yeah. she didn't die in the fucking radio station? You're like, man, I got time to cut this fucking weird <laughs> place down. All right. One yeah, beam would, at a time. Right. You'd think he'd be a little bit more um, careful about utilizing the the chainsaw in, in that lair. Yeah. He doesn't know where they're at. Fuck Find no. where they're at, then use your chainsaw. All right. How about a little bit of stealth? I mean, right. they didn't yeah. know you were there. They found out this interloper was there, the, the girl, yeah. but uh, didn't know you were there. They sure as shit know now. Yeah. So, yeah, that's a bad for me. Um, Go ahead. Let's see. So Leatherface, his mask and just the character in this movie. Uh, You know, it's it's hard looking back because I saw this before the first one, but he's just like a bumbling. He becomes more stupid as he ages, you know? Just yeah. like this bumbling character, he does this stupid little dance with the song. Yeah. I mm. no, that was cool as a fucking like hysterical, outrageous thing at the end of the first movie. It's right. not cool that that's his like wrestler, you know, throw down victory move. Yeah, or that's something. his signature. His signature boogie. His his fucking f- touchdown boogie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. His touchdown boogie. <laughs> yeah, so that, yeah. that that like besmirches the good name of a fucking psychopath, psychopathic, you know, like intellectually inadequate fucking phoebe to me. <laughs> um, yeah, the, the Leatherface sexy scenes, that sucks. <laughs> this is really, really pedantic, but... The fucking James Vanderbeek looking piece of shit. Hook him by the horns, baby. Guy at the beginning. That fucking cunt. I couldn't wait for him to be killed. Hook him by the horns. It's like he's trying to stick this stupid saying. He said, you know, like people say something enough. They think it's going to stick and become their kind of mantra, their catchphrase. Hook him by the horns, baby. Yeah. (laughs) Fuck that guy. Uh, yeah, he's a bad for me. Um, the stupid stretch chainsaw dance at the very oh, end of the dude, movie. It's the worst. And that's the thing. It's just like, 
that's what I mean. They just make her character progressively more obnoxious. Yeah. And to, to put the cherry on top at the end where she's doing that's her touchdown boogie. Yeah, like, you, know, she, you know, that's her victory dance where like she's just kind of like just awkwardly swinging the fucking chainsaw around. And, you know, I get what they're trying to say there. They're trying to say like she had crossed the threshold right. of, of insanity. Yeah. Now yeah. it's like, you know, they're setting it up like, okay, now stretch is going to be the, uh, the chain seal chainsaw wielding murderer now sure she's she, seen too much yeah 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 you she's know? been she's been pushed beyond her barbarism is equal if not exceeded the the family or right whatever. that's her like in the heart of darkness moment where <laughs> you yeah. know yeah yeah it's but it's stupid it's and, stupid uh i mean just the chainsaw duel in itself i think is stupid I mean, it's supposed to be this big showdown. They're leading up to it. I'm I'm on board. I'm fine with it. But the way that it's all rolled out is fucking dumb. (laughs) You know, I don't know. And it's just like it's just like any other fucking thing. Like, let's bang our fucking weapons against each other. You know. There's no idea at all. We're just going to hit these against each other. I mean, not to mention it would just fucking break a chain on a, a bar of a chainsaw if you were to do right. that. But that, besides that, stick fucking Leatherface with a saw, pull out your two little ones that were this big deal, you know, throughout, and then like slowly try and cut, you know, I'm going to move slow enough so that his saw meets my saw. So, right. To drag this fucking thing out, yeah, uh, yeah. But that's 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 it. That's all I really got for bad. I did want to talk about with the good um, backpedaling a little bit. I do like the whole scene when Drayton accepts his chili award, <laughs> and like the, it's so gross. The chili is just in the cup of, of the trophy, it's, and it's drooling like all over, ripping him. down his shirt. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. This, yeah. And this then, like, town the, loves prime meat. And then like the lady bites in the that's clearly a tooth. Yeah. And he's like, oh, one of them hard peppercorns. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh yeah, I just like, dude, I it's just so great that this is Jim Saito's like final performances. He really went out with a bang, in my opinion. Yeah, agreed. So actually there's one huge bad that I I missed because I meant to put it as my last bad. Okay. And this is the second leg of my dissonance about this film. I had mentioned that, you know, it's a comedy that I liked and I don't normally go for this kind of thing in the good. But the bad is that they decided to take it in a comedic direction altogether for me. Like that first movie is so cherished to me. Um, and you know, I did see this first, but I didn't really have a critical sense about things. You just like what you like when you're a kid. Well, looking back with Toby Hooper and, and Kim Henkel at the helm, I just, I wonder what could have been had they made it, it, you know, as dark as the first one, but then that tiptoes into the, the realm of, it didn't need to be made for me. The first movie, that's all I need. You know, I don't need to accept more of this. I just need the one. 
So it <laughs> bothers me just as much as I enjoy this movie. It bothers me that it even exists because it's just straight up a mockery, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't yeah. Know. I don't know if you feel that way at all, but yeah, I don't think I feel that strongly about it, but I can, you know, I can separate the two enough that it doesn't taint it for me. Sure. But anyways, okay, questionable. Yeah. Um, this goes back to the very beginning with that monologue that you're talking about. Just um, the idea that there's no way they could find any evidence whatsoever of this family for right. so long. Like, there's just, there's no way. Okay, so let's say after Sally Hardesty is rescued. Yeah. They're immediately going to engage in a manhunt. Well, yeah. I mean, there's the truck driver, too. There's right. the pickup truck driver that takes <laughs> her away. There's the semi-truck driver who fucking hits him in the face with a pipe wrench, Leatherface. Yeah. yeah. The dude is clearly not going far. He's injured. He's in the middle of the road in fucking it, – it's morning time. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yes, this would, this would imply such a stealth – manner that they were able to pack up and leave to leave no evidence whatsoever at that farmhouse. Yeah. That any sort of any sort of the atrocity occurred. There's just no no fucking way. No, they would have to have the people from that hoarders show come in. <laughs> yeah. In, yeah. in 1974. Right. With fucking several semi trucks to right. just take everything out of there. Yeah, no, there's no way. Um, so it, it almost implies like a supernatural aspect of the family. Either that or it's <laughs> to imply that the Keystone cops just do not give a fuck about this one horrible thing for some reason. Right. Which that again, because we always talk about this cops doing their job badly. Cops suck. They don't do a good job. So, yeah, I mean, you if you even wanted to like hinge on that potential that the cops just were dicking around mm -hmm. to such a degree that they could let them get away. And this is, this isn't that far flung, but I just feel like it is so unrealistic. Oh yeah. With this scenario. Indeed. Uh, so that's my first question. Yeah. Um, my second question is with the whole interaction that Stretch is having having with the frat guys over the phone, and they're clearly trying to hang up on them. Yeah. There's no way that it would have been that difficult. Because if you have a call-in show, you're going to get pranksters and shitheads. Mm -hmm. They're going to call in and be disruptive. You can't tell me that you're only going to be able to rely on the person on the other end of the line disconnecting for you to be able to get rid of them. Yeah. There has to be a system internally where you're just like, all right, fuck these people. I can shut them off. Sure. But you're acting like it is such a difficult task to get these guys off the line. I mean, the only thing that I can think to explain in a way would be that they've never had to deal with it in such severity that they actually right. had to carry on to such measures. Because LG is pulling all kinds of shit. Right. He's got cables in his mouth. He's, <laughs> yeah. You know, whatever. And, uh, but yeah, that's pretty, it's pretty stupid. Okay. So that's my first two. I'm going to hand it off to you. You give me a question. Uh, yeah. So is LG trying to impress stretch by the fucking loogie on the floor? 
I don't know if you remember this scene, but he comes in after she opens, you know, plays the 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 murder tape on air, and he comes in and he goes, "Well, we're getting a lot of shit for that, you know, tape or whatever." And uh, then he comes up to her and, you know, he's like, "You want to go to coffee down at Big fucking wherever?" She's like, "No, I got to be here." He's like. He's all jealous about LG and she's looking at him. She's trying to kind of console him. And then he, he, he looks her straight in the eye and then purposely turns his head, hawks a loogie on the floor of the right. radio station, then turns back and looks at her, look at her reaction. Like, what do you think of that? Yeah. What? <laughs> what fucking world? You know, I get the Texas. All right. This traditional to roadhouse, eat peanuts and throw the shells on the floor. But yeah. fucking throwing out a chunk of fucking research quality lung butter on the floor <laughs> and looking yeah. at your squeeze in the radio fucking <laughs> booth. That doesn't strike me as, you know, a turn on. But yeah, she, yeah. The fact that he just so wantonly like hawks fucking goobers all over. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. It's um, maybe they have different sensibilities in, down in Tejas. But yeah, I mean, you know, that is a thing. Um. Okay, so there's another question: If Leatherface was successful in killing Stretch at the radio station, because he totally went there intent. On killing her, but she locked herself in. Then he found out he's got a boner for her. But that's mm. besides the point. They went there to kill her. Uh, wouldn't that just validate Lefty's whole fucking scenario and open up an actual legitimate manhunt for these guys? It's like, right. you know, kids killed via chainsaw on live tele on live radio. And then the person who plays that essentially the witness gets killed by chainsaw. That would just yeah. open that. That's a shit plan. That's a totally shit ass plan. And it's backed up further because, <laughs> you know, they kill lefty. So they think with a hammer and chop top thinks that Leatherface killed stretch. Well, they take lefty's body away. Taking you the mean fucking L LG. LG, excuse me. Yeah. Kill LG with a hammer. Yeah. And Leatherface, air quotes, kills Stretch. Did you get her, right. Bubba? Did you get her good? Well, they take Lefty's body. Apparently, you know. LG. God, I keep doing that. That's okay. They take LG's body to harvest <laughs> for barbecue. Right. And, uh, you know, you would, one would think to get rid of the bodies. But they leave Stretch's body, which, you know, as we know, she's not dead. But why wouldn't they take her body, too? That would <laughs> that would help their case to not have a manhunt started looking for this chainsaw murder, you know? Yeah, it all plays in this, again, the, the huge glaring question about that this story rests upon, that they were able to get away with things for this long when they're clearly incompetent. It's a family of retards. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A host, a host murdered with a saw. The one basic witness to this whole thing, because she was experiencing this live murder 
over the radio. And yeah. she gets murdered with the saw. Come on. Even the Keystone cops can put together the similarities and fucking <laughs> find these guys. Yeah. A chainsaw is not necessarily, you know, the most uh, inconspicuous weapon. <laughs> right. Um, right. So the Sawyers aren't concerned <laughs> uh, with lefty tailing them to the Texas battleground. Like Stretch is watching them go through that like loop entrance into their lair or whatever. And then she's getting chased by a car behind her and she's all freaked out and she's running and she gets to a, a place in that corridor where she stops in her tracks because she sees the taillights of their pickup truck, the family's truck. And, and, and then, Lefty gets out of the car. Stretch! Stops her and turns around. Oh, it's just Lefty. And then she falls in the fucking hole, you know, which gets her into the lair. But there's at that point, if you're murderers, <laughs> I mean, like, grisly fucking blatant ass murderers, you would think they would see the headlights behind them mm-hmm. dancing around in the fucking field or whatever, and then being directly behind them. And maybe that would, you know, give them some kind of pause that maybe I should go back and try and kill this fucking guy. Now nah, yeah. they just keep driving on into their lair. Yeah. Don't get it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't get that either. Um, I had a question. This kind of applies to any of these sort of sequences and movies with the chase scene in the beginning. Yeah. Just hit the brakes and reverse. Just hit the brakes. There yeah, that's the that's the classic <laughs> that's the classic thing. I mean, I guess I guess maybe that wouldn't come to a fight or flight mindset, maybe. But uh it should. I mean, that's definitely <laughs> the easiest solution. They're driving backwards too. I mean, yeah. if the dude hits the brakes, chop top hits the brakes, fucking saga is flying out of that truck. The fact that he can be hanging on to anything and the geometry of him being able to drop that saw into that tiny Mercedes they're in is incredible. He's not on his knees. We know from the first movie that Leatherface is like this lumbering, huge, tall mammoth of a person. And he's in a truck that's already standing a lot taller than their car. That's the other thing. I mean, just the fact that he can even combat the car with a melee weapon, like a chainsaw doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Um, why is LG all stabby with a knife? You know what I'm talking about? So he gets his face peeled off and then stretch realizes it's LG comes in to cut the rope for her, which she could have totally done herself. There's knives everywhere in there. And he, it's like he goes in to stab her and he's got to like stop himself to just <laughs> cut it. Cut it. I think it's just implying that because he's obviously in shock, uh-huh. he, he has no coordination skills. So he's like, he's attempting to try and cut the rope, but he's that's it. That, that scene is trying to build some tension there where it's just like, he's trying to help her. But he's lost his like motor faculties. Yeah. So he might stab her or he might help her. And he ends up, you know, being able to cut the rope. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's like he's trying to like stab her, like, you know, that's his 
trying to murder her. It's just him just groping. Yeah. At the rope. I see. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. And then I, you know, learn from your mistakes, learn from history, right? The family does the exact same thing with Sally Hardesty also in this movie, Stretch, at the dinner. Bring him to grandpa. Bring her to grandpa to whack her over the head. In this movie, what do they say? Some stew, stewy bo- bo- booty or some shit. Uh, <laughs> yeah, sloopy right. booty. Sloopy, sloopy booty. booty. That's what I mean. That's one of those lines where it's just like you, you came up with that on set. Yeah. So they do that same shit and it fucking fails on them. Like, dude, didn't they know from the first time they tried to do that? Yeah. This ain't going to work. Your family pride just getting the best of you with grandpappy. Yeah, pappy just can't get it up like he used to. No, he can't. He's, he can't get his hammer up in more ways than one. <laughs> um, anyway, that's the end. That's really the end of my critical questions. I had a question about LG building that fry house. <laughs> Why is he doing that? Although it seems like that would have taken quite a while to construct that. Dude, how many plates of fries did he have to get together? Because, you know, sometimes you get those little dinky, the whole plate is just a bunch of shit bag fries that are all tiny. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, Yeah, I think that's all I've got uh, also. I mean, you know, there's just... We could go into more depth about the questions about the forensics of this relating to the first one. Yeah, absolutely. Right. <laughs> you know, as far as, yeah, just, you know, dusting for prints. Anything. You know, the dust for prints at the gas station and at the house. Yeah. And then connecting, okay, well, the guy who runs the gas station also is in the house. Right. I mean, a chainsaw, there's going to be arterial spray everywhere <laughs> there's dna there's fucking well, blood you you okay that i can buy because in 1974 dna testing was not quite there okay all right fine. So that i can buy but they did they they were able to dust for prints yeah so. fine first movie aside we're now into the 80s now yeah and they go yeah i'm just a couple wild punks you know <laughs> I mean, isolated crimes. Come on, fellas. You would think that a rash of fucking grisly chainsaw murders across a whole state would warrant the FBI coming in. Yeah. Yeah, there would be a fucking dragnet on that place. Yeah. Small business, man. Always, always, always get to the ass. Sure, sure took care of my hams. Saved a trip to the hospital. Ah, <laughs> uh, looks, looks bad. Sure burned my beans bad on that one. As we've said, highly portable movie, line after fucking line on this, just zinger after zinger. Yeah, it's some kind of geek. <laughs> uh, the guy at the at the chainsaw shop. Oh my aching banana! Which I always he's, heard. <laughs> he's clearly getting a hard on yeah. by like this dude buying chainsaws. Yeah. So I 
Uh, this was the first time I ever watched this with subtitles. When I was a kid, I thought he said, oh, my kid banana. <laughs> oh, my kid banana. <laughs> Which is good, too. Uh, a leather face, you hog bitch. You ruined my sunny bow, no wig, dude. God damn it, I can't believe it. And then later on in there, in that same fucking rant, he goes, well, at least he didn't mess me up. <laughs> So I don't know how much you knew about this. You might bring this up in the trivia, but this movie has been utilized liberally in sound bites oh, and yeah. in, in songs. Of course. So you've got the you got that last slaughter on tape. You play it on the radio. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that was either used by Ministry or Skinny Puppy. Yeah. The whole intro is more in Mortician's uh, <laughs> hacked hacked up for barbecue or something. Yeah. There's the uh, dog will hunt. That's used by Primus. Right. And uh, um, Jerry was a race car driver. Jerry was a race car driver. Uh, the whole um, under the table Drayton thing going on where he's talking to Nubbins. Where he's like, <laughs> What's that old looking- fuck you, Charlie? App? <laughs> he's looking for the grenade. <laughs> Where's that old fuck you, Charlie? <laughs> well, really, really, well, it looks bad. Really bake <laughs> bake my beans on this one. What is it? Oh, took care of my hammy. Yeah. Took care of my hammy. I know I've heard you say that one before. Save me a trip to the hospital. <laughs> really took care of my hams. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a, a really good one when the when the cop shows up after the first murder and lefties there. You know, this is just a couple of wild punks out raising hell, and lefty says, "Yeah." One of them boys so wild he sawed his own head off going 90 miles per hour. Hell is exactly what they raised. Good. See, and that's when it's like the drama. It's not funny yet. It could have gone a different way. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, we could probably go on and on, but you know, those are definitely. <laughs> I just let the dude, the, what have you done to my Sonny Bono wig, dude? <laughs> I want to point out two more, real quick. Okay. I like, okay. I love LG's. You mentioned the Fry House, so I have to mention this. Uh. He goes, Looky, I built you a little Fry House. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then the other one where Drayton, you know, finds out that he saved the girl. Leatherface saves Stretch because he's got a heart on for her. He goes, you got one choice, boy. Sex or the saw. Sex is, well, nobody knows. Yeah. But the saw, the saw is family. Sex yeah. is nobody knows because they're, knows? they're all fucking, they have no clue. Never got laid in their whole life. No, they've only <laughs> fucked like each other. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, okay, so the Derek Zoolander Award for the biggest idiot in the movie. I mean, again, take your pick. The frat guys at the Everybody. beginning. <laughs> the frat guys at the beginning get my award. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I mean, it's it's low-hanging fruit to say Leatherface because he is a retard. <laughs> but... <laughs> Yeah, Leatherface. I mean, fuck. <laughs> of all the killing you've done in your life, leave no witnesses behind. You're gonna leave this girl. It's like, dude, if you want to fuck her, just kill her, then fuck her. Yeah, and right. Eat her. Yeah, exactly. Get all, cover all your bases. Right. So that gets mine. That's, that's Bubba. true. That's Bubba. Bubba. Uh, the Joseph and Technicolor Dream Code Award for Best Wardrobe. I mean. 
Chop Top, Chop but top. also Dennis Hopper. I mean, he's looking pretty pretty snazzy. He's in looking his- badass, but I mean, the Chop Top is like bar none crazy motherfucker. That's super inventive with yeah. the plate and everything. Chop yeah. Top gets it for me. Yeah. I agree. He's truly uh, disgusting looking. I know. <laughs> uh, you know, I don't, you know, I love Halloween. I don't dress up for Halloween very often. I don't have the frame for it either, but it would be like, I would love to see somebody pull off a good chop top. Yeah. Um, yes. Halloween costume. Hell yeah. Uh, <laughs> the Cosmo Kramer Award for most likely to appear in a Seinfeld episode. Uh. <laughs> I This one, I did go back to the whole stretch being... Yeah, just one of Jerry's girlfriends. Yeah, um, I'm gonna say LG. I was gonna say yeah, I was gonna say LGs. There's some like wacky proprietor somewhere. (laughs) Yeah. So I was specifically thinking. You might have been thinking about this when I thought of LG. Was like you know the whole the episode where um, uh, Kramer is at the airport. And he meets like the Texas oil man <laughs> and he's like betting with him on when certain flights are going to come in. Like, cause you know, that's the whole thing. Kramer has a gambling problem. He's trying to wean himself with a gambling problem. So he's, he's like betting with this Texas guy about the flights right? and he's losing consistently to the point where he has to call in Newman for backup to bring in <laughs> the son of Sam's mailbag. Co- <laughs> yeah. The son of Sam's mailbag up for for collateral. Sure. Yeah, so I thought of that. That's what made me think of LG. Yeah, you could, you could slide LG right into that, that uh, role. Yeah. Uh, the Danny Trail Award for character most likely to have a spinoff. I also put Chot Top for this. I, Kinda- I, I could see um, Drayton. Jim Seidel's character you know because in this movie they put a trajectory further on he's actually pretty organized he's got a pretty good idea about finances and stuff he could he could if it wasn't for his fucked up family he could probably pull off a Norman Bates whereas by day he's this thing and by night he's this fucking meat processor of human remains, you know? Well, that's the thing with Drayton's character in both this one and the first one. It's like he's able to keep it together enough in public yeah, to, to be able to pull one over on people. Yeah. And then when he gets out of the public eye, that's when he's just like completely like fucking unhinged. Sure. Yeah. It's like, it's like a, it's like a tick. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, Okay, so the Danny Trio were... Oh, we already said that. Duh. I'll edit that out. Body count. This actually has surprisingly a low body count um, on screen, or I counted seven, I think. Okay, again, let's go through them. So you got got the... Frat guys. Frat guys, two. LG. Three. Uh, We've got... Lefty. Right, grenade, lefty. So basically the family. Lefty, chop top... Um, Leatherface, Cook. So you're at seven right there. Grandpa. Does Grand? Do we know if Grandpa dies though? I mean, they. I guess they all get blown to smithereens. We don't know okay. if any of them die, right. really. So eight. You're right. You're right. So it's implied. Yeah. Eight. eight. Yes. Were we missing anybody? 
don't no, think so. No, I, I mean, there's it. there's tons of off-screen deaths. They talk in that whole thing where they're talking while um, Stretch is trying to escape the like butcher room. They're talking about those coked-up lawyers, and you know, well, no, I pick, I pick the targets. I know the prime meat. So, you know, yeah, and obviously there's a lot more. They have fucking corpses all over their home. So, but I'll accept eight. Okay, go ahead. uh, Lead us into the trivia. Uh, Okay, so I mean, there's a couple things we already touched on. Obviously, the cover is a parody of the Breakfast Club. Um, they're all positioned the same, exactly the same as the kids on the cover of the breakfast club. Uh, Caroline Williams stretches character wanted to make a strong impression, uh, at her audition when she was called in, uh, she went to the end of the hallway and ran screaming into the room where she pulled Toby Hooper and LM Kit Carson, uh, out of their seats and used their chairs to barricade the door before she began her scene. Uh, yeah, that's probably pretty striking. Although this turned out to be a slapstick comedy, so you know, a swing yeah. and a miss. Uh, well, and that's where we're talking about how like there's like an incongruity right. with like some of the acting. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's like it's not it, the, the the it's not meshing quite on screen. Sure. Uh, another one that's similar. Bill Mosley created a short film parody entitled The Texas Chainsaw Manicure, where he played a small role as the hitchhiker and showed it to a screenwriter who was able to show it to Toby Hooper. Hooper loved it and kept Mosley in mind for a part should he ever create a sequel. When the time came to make TCM2, Mosley was con- uh, contacted for the role of Chop Top. Um, and then... Uh, <laughs> As people probably should figure out, but the corpse that Chop Top and Leatherface carry around, they call them affectionately nubbins, um, is is the body of the hitchhiker from the first movie. So right, and actually, upon this watch was the first time I realized that it looks like there's something hanging out of his belly when you first see him in the back of the truck, but that's the like satchel bag that the hitchhiker is carrying around. I never noticed okay. that before. Um, so I'm going to hand it over to you, but I, I wanted to just, <laughs> I didn't know this until a couple of years ago, but Bill Mosley and Buckethead have this fucking <laughs> yeah, band yeah. Yes. called Corn Bugs, in yes. which Mosley just plays the character of Chop Top for all of the songs, all of the shit. Which yep. is like I, it's and I've watched some of the videos. Dude, it's so fucking bad. But it's the kind of bad where I put it on anyway, in sp- you know, in spite of it, and it's uh, pretty funny. Yeah, I'd seen that and I was aware of it. Um, I only had one I wanted to drop in here was the fact that Dennis Hopper thought this was the worst movie he'd ever been, <laughs> yeah. and then he said it again with uh, Super Mario Brothers. Yeah. Um. I thought that was pretty funny because I I quite like Dennis Hopper's role in this. Yeah. Um, We already talked about the sound bites being used. Again, I'm not positive about the whole, you play that last slaughter on tape, you play it on the radio. I'm, again, pretty sure it's in a ministry or skinny puppy song. Yeah. So this is kind of interesting because I love Jim's or uh, Lou Perryman in this movie. Jim Sidow. Drayton is the only actor in the movie uh, who's in the original. Um, 
But Lou Perryman, yeah. who plays LG, worked on the original film as a crew member, but he didn't. He yeah. wasn't in it. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. Apparently, I don't know if you're. Are you a Joe Bob fan? I don't even know what that is. Joe Bob Briggs. I don't know if you're watching any like The Last <laughs> Drive-In or <laughs> Joe Joe Bob Briggs is like a film critic. He's notable for talking about horror and B movie stuff. I guess like he had a cameo in this that was deleted. Wow. John Bloom's his real name. He goes by a character named Joe Bob Briggs. I think you would really like um Joe Bob Briggs. You have a shutter account, right? Yeah. Look up The Last Drive-In. It's great because Joe Bob he's like a wealth of knowledge. He just has like this encyclopedic knowledge about things. Mm -hmm. So he does a lot of talking about trivia related to the movie. So like the movies there, they, he hosts it, talks about the movie, plays the movie. And then it's interspersed with him breaking and talking about parts of the movie. It's really good. He has guests on and stuff. Like he talks to like Felissa Rose and, I was just watching one uh, about you ever seen the movie Mother's Day, yeah. another exploitation movie. Mm-hmm. He's talking to Eli Roth. I know Eli Roth's kind of like a, you know, a polarizing figure in, in he's in the Quentin horror. Tarantino of horror to me. I mean, yeah, I mean, they're like buddies, obviously. Like, I, I don't feel that strongly about Eli Roth. I don't necessarily like his movies, like, but I feel like he, he is a historian of horror. He does have like a lot of like interesting things to say. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, so you probably like last drive in. Uh, so here's, th- I want to point this one out because this has me all over it. Okay. Many fans of the original film dislike this movie due to its emphasis on gore and wacky humor. Toby Hooper argued that the black humor was also present in the original film, but viewers did not acknowledge it because of its shocking content. Even that said, I can't think of anything that's outwardly funny about the first movie. Can you? Yeah. It's subtle. That whole, the whole dinner scene is hilarious to me. Yeah. I mean, mean, it's terrifying, obviously. Yeah. It's like, but it's like, you know, you get that bitch hog and just like the, there is a slapstick aspect to it where it's just, you know, the continual failure of grandpa being able to nail his target and just like, that to me is a comedic element because it's almost like the joke where it's just like you tell a joke enough and it's like it's not funny and then like it gets funny as things go you know yeah so i feel like there is a comedic kind of element to that part right yeah yeah i mean i guess i that's one of those things where it's like you to me it just kind of laugh to keep from crying like you laugh because there's not another expression to to give it but yeah it's it's definitely a more complicated response i think also another comedic part to me that i kind of laugh at is when drayton who you don't know is drayton in the original the cook mm-hmm. when he bags sally hardesty <laughs> and he puts him puts her in the truck and he's like sticking her jabbing her and he's like that's where it shows him start like the mask starts to come off fully where yeah. it's like He's like being sadistic, but he's also like trying to comfort her. Yeah. So there's this like interplay of like schizophrenic emotions going on. Right. 
where he's like getting this like sadistic glee out of it. He's just like, oh, don't cry. You know, <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, okay, here's one last thing I'm going to mention in the trivia. Now, this seems kind of like hearsay and like a rumor, but I guess it could be true. A fire erupted one night in the downtown Austin building where much of the movie took place. When firemen arrived, they found bodies and they thought they'd stumbled upon the lair of a psychopathic murderer. Yeah, I saw that. If you know that it's a studio area, they got to know that these people have permits to make this movie. I don't know why they would think of that. They might think that there was more bodies, that people died in the fire, but... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it seems a little goofy. Uh, I just found this one. I did want to put this one in here before we happen <laughs> so there's a poster that can be seen on the wall of the radio station for the band fine young cannibals oh <laughs> yeah, yeah okay. nice uh all right you ready to rate this sure move on okay out of five what out of five dented fucking skull cap plates what do you give it uh, I don't, like I said, I don't usually go for this kind of horror film. The campy, funny. I mean, you know, I, I don't even watch it beyond the first Nightmare on Elm Street. The first one's like decidedly more spooky than the rest. The rest are pretty funny. Like I just don't really give them my the time. The second one is not. I don't think the second one is. Speaking of second sequels, I think, sorry, not to derail this too much i think the second nightmare on elm street genuinely has a horrific element to it but it's it's complicated with that one yeah i think the 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 comedic one-liner zinger freddy thing didn't really come into play until the third one which i love the third one to me there's there's a competition in my mind between the the third and the first Nightmare on Elm Street being the better ones. Oh, Anyways, yeah. I, I don't want to digress too much. So, we'll, anyhow, we, can, we, can, we can come to that sure. discussion at a different point. Yeah. So go ahead. That's another that's another mountain to climb there. Yeah. <laughs> um, upon rewatching, I, I love this movie. It's in my collection. I yeah. think it's great, but I just don't go for this kind of movie often. Yeah. I think I'm going to give it a three and a half fucking metal dented skull plates. Yeah. Yeah. Because for what it is, it's good for this kind of camp. It's, it's great. It's, you know, right up there and just like the silly slashers, but I want a movie more like the first one. I wish this was the first one continued. Yeah, totally. If, if I had to reach for one or the other, I, obviously, no no question. The, f- the first one, way over this. But this is a fun movie, and it is enjoyable to watch. And I never, you know, I would never turn down the opportunity to watch it if someone would put it, would put it on. So I give it a th- – I was going to give it a two and a half, leaning into a three. Mm-hmm. It's a three. Three out of five. Sure. Dented – Dented uh, Sony Bono Wigdu exposed <laughs> plate head plates yeah. Vietnam vet head plates. That's right. I just imagine for a second how many tasty morsels he had to get it to the point in which it's at. You know, where the yeah. full plate was exposed. Like that's like a couple of severe meals of skin. Yeah, he was really digging away at it. Right. Yeah. 
Okay, midnight movie. What do you put this on the midnight clock? It's, I think it's yeah. midnight past. Midnight past. past. I'm going to say midnight and a half on HBO, One maybe 1 a.m. Yeah. It's pretty gory, pretty um, over the top, uh, even, even, even censored down over the top kind of themes and scenes going on. So, yeah, I agree. Um, so we're in kind of a weird gray area here with our next episode because we haven't really established what's going to happen. So it's going to be a cliffhanger. Oh, but needless to say, it's going to be a good one. It's going to be a good one. It's going to keep with the theme, yeah. the, the gruesome twosomes. Yeah. But you're just going to have to stay tuned for what we're going to talk about next. Sure. Okay. Okay. I mean, you at least know that it's going to be a second sequel yeah. in a franchise. So you got that much to go off of. This has been another deep dive in the Midnight Movie Madness. Big thanks to Charlotte Blythe for our intro music. Our outro music is... Brandon? Uh, it'll be from the Phoenix Death Sludge Band... Uh, Thra, and the song will be Fracture off of their new album Forged in Chaotic Spew. Great, Thra, cool. Thank you very much for bringing that. Um, if you want to email us, you can at uh, midnightflixpod at gmail.com. We have an Instagram at midnightflixpodcast and a TikTok. Alright, signing off. Until next time, Brandon Hayden, Dad Walker. See you later. You dirty bitch, hog, eat. Hog, bitch, you clean shit, fudge, pack, and hog, bitch.